0: Hey, guys. Nicolette here. I'm talking with Keith today about um, some ways to overcome objections before they start. Keith is a Hall of Fame producer with Family First Life. So that means last year he issued over $400,000 on his own pen. And um, today we're just going to ask him some questions to get a better feel for his um, sales strategy. So, Keith, you are undeniably one of the best agents in the company. You have a super high closing ratio, and your premiums tend to be higher than average. This isn't a coincidence, um, and we don't have time to go over all of your tips and tricks today. But let's just focus on one of the hardest aspects of this job: the objections. So, what kind of tips can you give our agents about overcoming objections?
1: Great question. Um, so, I had I had similar similar views, but what do you do to overcome objections, right? Uh, when I first started, um, I remember being in a training. This was about April 2017, and um, there were some Hall of Fame producers, some people that are multimillionaires now in the industry who paved the way, but they were doing a and a um, and a training session, and, and I'm, you know, brand thinking new. Um, and a lot of agents are asking questions. What do you do when you run into – To this objection, and Mark Mead, who's one of the top people that paved the way here, Mark Mead says, I don't run into that. So then they asked John Wetmore, another, you know, founder here in our company, and asked him, and he says, yeah, I don't run into that either. And a couple of hands come up, and and, um, a lot of these objections that people were asking out of the audience, a lot of agents were asking, um, John, uh, Mark Mead, um, Paul McClain, some of the top producers in the company, uh, VPs now in the company, were uh, kind of just throwing it around. I don't run into that. And and to be honest, as a new agent, it sounded very arrogant. Um, and um, I didn't know these guys from Adam. I was thinking, you know, how, if everyone else is running into these questions, these guys going to be saying the same clients. So why are, how are they not running into this? So I asked John, I pulled him aside, and I said, hey, man, I'm new to the, the family first life. Um, how are y'all not running into this? Because it seems like the overall consensus is everyone else is running into these questions. Job special leave, what, you know, what's going on? And and he told me, you got to kill the injection before it happens. And uh, we talked for a few minutes, and it made so much sense. It's, it's very easily said to do that but I was like how do you do you know how do you do that and so we just talked about working on your craft working on what you say when you say it and 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 how that works so um I'm an analytical person I had to uh really analyze what I'm saying in an appointment appointment,
0: and why I'm
1: saying things I'm saying I am a talker but when I'm in an appointment I, I like to uh say things for a reason, not just talk to talk. So um, I think it all starts at the beginning, Nicolette. I think when you're in an appointment, um, before you get to sales, before you get to um, your presentation, I think it's important to establish credibility. We don't train on this enough at Family First Life, but I think agents should uh, spend a handful of minutes, maybe five minutes, seven minutes, three minutes, whatever, as convenient for you, but um, to establish who they are. Um, I do that at the beginning, and when, in my spiel, I do it for a couple of reasons. Um, I say the same thing every household. If you were, if you sat on eight appointments with me, you, you could repeat verbatim what I say, because I say the same thing every time at the beginning. Uh, I um, I learned in public speaking um, in college they usually want to give you have some joke or an icebreaker or something you say to calm your nerves when you're going in front of a crowd uh this is no different if you're going in front of a uh, husband or wife or one person whatever when you're in front of your client if you have your uh routine or, or something to say it's going to help calm your nerves and give you a comfort level um if your last three appointments you 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 didn't close them and your your head's not in the right place or life happens you're running late or you have some family drama or you have whatever it is something mentally throwing you off when you go into a home, if you control your your routine you know what you're saying it kind of gets you back into a rhythm does that make sense absolutely
0: it's like a it's like a reset like you just like muscle memory
1: exactly so i go in there and i say the same thing because no matter how good I did or how bad I did previously, or or where I'm at in the week, um, I can go in there and always say control the controllables. So part of it is I go in there and and, and reset, uh, kind of have amnesia about the, the the rest of the you know the day so far, because because I don't want to go in an appointment whether I'm four for four or zero for four, and I'm going into my fifth appointment that's a new appointment. So I'm starting at, I'm starting at scratch. I'm, I'm, I'm starting over and I need to make sure my presentation is on point so that I'm fluid with my speech patterns. I'm fluid with what I'm saying. And in that, um, I, I just developed certain things to say and then I analyzed what I was saying. So it would help me in the future for appointments because when I was running into objections at the beginning, you know, um, I was like, I gotta figure out how to overcome that. So I'm gonna tell y'all exactly how I say it, and you can take a tidbit from that, make it your own, and, and tweak it for you. Because every individual that's gonna listen to this, I'm relatable. Uh, they know who I am. They don't have to ask my name later. They they know a little bit about me because when I come up to asking them about their bank information, the security number, and, and you know who's the beneficiary and all this all information I'm going to need, that's private information, um, they're going to trust me. So if they don't trust me now, they're not going to trust me later. So I have to build some rapport at the beginning. And um, it's not small talk. I'm not sitting there talking about the football game or, or talking about something random in their house, which a lot of salespeople do. I go in there and tell them who I am, okay, because that's, I know who I am. And then um, they, they learn who I am, and it's something I'm comfortable with. And then in that, I, I do kill the objection. So this is this is what I say, and you can take it with a grain of salt. Every time I get in a home, a lot of times when to sit on the couch, it's comfortable. I always find a table, okay, whether that be a dining room table, kitchen table, or even a, a countertop like some hard surface I can sit at because that's where business is going to take place, okay? Um, you're you're in their home, but you have to control the setting. So I go and make sure I'm controlling that part of it. When I sit down, I have a computer bag that it has an iPad um, and a, a laptop in it, and I have the lead sheet in my hand that they filled out. Whether it's final expense, mortgage, whatever the lead is, I have it in my hand. I sit at the table and I say, um, hey guys, I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself, so I'm not a complete stranger to you and your home. My name is Keith Christmas, Christmas like the holiday. You can call me Keith, you can call me Christmas, uh, you can call me many other things, I've been called worse. People laugh at it, they pick up my last name, whatever, um, that's an icebreaker for me because that's who I am. I say my background is in theology and finance. I have to push faith on you, but I I went to school. I had some ministries in my family. Uh, I went to school in Virginia Beach, and um, I'm from Charleston, South Carolina originally. I met my wife in college, and and, um, I ended up working at a tax firm uh, with my finance background, and I worked for that tax firm for many years out of college. Um, Long story short, I moved to Atlanta, Georgia. I I flew out Delta Airlines all over the country, came with corporate tax issues for this tax firm. I worked about 80 plus hours a week. Um, I made great money, but I was never home. Once my wife and I started having children, it wasn't conducive to, to family life. My work schedule just wasn't working. Now, my wife and I have five children, but prior to, to coming into this industry, um, you know, we, ha- we ended up having two back-to-back, and um, I missed out a lot. I was a great provider, but I wasn't. A, I didn't feel like I was a good dad, um, and I, I didn't. I didn't like that. Family's more important to me than making money. I um, I ended up uh, moving from Atlanta, Georgia, to Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, same song, same dance. I was in a different city, flying different airlines, but I was still gone just as much every week, and. Being in Charlotte got me closer to my hometown of Charleston, South Carolina, about three hours north. My wife and I and our kids were able to go visit family once, twice a month in Charleston, South Carolina. When we did that, we got homesick for family, so we decided to move to Charleston uh, to be closer to family. The the issue with that was Charleston's a small airport. I had to travel even more because I had to find connecting flights to Charlotte or Atlanta, fly out different places all over the country to handle these business taxes for the firm. Um, that got old real quick. When you're doing 80, 90 hours a week, um, you don't enjoy much of anything else. My health deteriorated. I was stressed uh, to no end. Financially, the money was big, but everything else. During that time, my wife got pregnant with our third child, and one of my best friends died. His name is Nick. Nick and I grew up together. Nick had a house. He had the house for about eight months, and his fiance Stephanie, had two girls the same age as my son and daughter, and uh, they were getting married June of that year. Nick died in April, and when he died, he didn't have any mortgage protection, life insurance, 401K, IRA, savings, anything. Nick worked. He paid the bills. Stephanie took the rest of the money towards their their wedding venue.
0: When he died,
1: um, it's like I lost my brother. This was family. I've known them for as long as I can remember. Stephanie, I knew her since kindergarten. So Nick died. Stephanie had no place to live. She could not afford the house because she wasn't working. Her and the girls moved in with her parents. Nick's father had to pay for the funeral. Nick's father coached me in basketball when I was a little little guy. So this is a guy I revered as like a father figure myself. So when all this happened, it really hurt. Um And I don't want to get emotional about it because I have plenty of times, but um, I think that was the catalyst that caused me to change careers. I didn't think about doing this, but I did not want to be gone from my family anymore. These girls were going to grow up without their daddy. My kids weren't seeing me, and I was still alive, so I decided to quit the firm. They offered me more money, Uh, very tempting. But end of the day, I walked away, and a lot of people thought I was a fool, but I walked away from a lot of money so that I could, I could be home with my family. Um, I ended up meeting with State Farm, who I had, like, nine policies with. I had a boat, house, cars, insurance, everything with them. And my uh, policy I had, I got one I was 23 for half a million. That policy uh, was going to expire at 43, and I didn't know it. The um, policy was only going to pay out if I was dead by 43. I would have paid a lot of money into it and I didn't realize that I thought I had it the rest of my life. Um, so because I didn't like the policy I had and I wanted something different, one thing led to another and I ended up looking for different insurances. I um, came across Family First Life in, in my just Google search for insurance, uh, met with a, a broker and ended up getting uh, some insurance on my family, decided um, you know, I needed a job change. My wife told me to look into this, so I got licensed two weeks later, and, um, and the rest is history. I helped uh, an agency grow in Charleston. Um, I ended up um, relocating to where I'm at now, and um, I work for 25 different insurance carriers, roughly, give or take. Uh, they're all A-rated. Um, I specialize in mortgage protection. Uh, all forms of life insurance, final expense planning, cremation, uh, things of that nature so you don't pay too much to a funeral home. And I also help people reallocate their IRAs, their 401Ks, their, their savings um, because you can't afford to take losses in your retirement. So I help, um, if possible, put you in a better uh, position in retirement by helping you grow your money by keeping your money secure from loss. So that's kind of what I do in a nutshell, guys. Um, when you fill out this form, you probably fill out dozens of these. My job and the brokers I work for, our job is to shop around for you so you don't have to meet with every Tom, carry. You know, Unless you guys don't like me, my job is to get you covered and find something that you're going to get approved for. So we find something that fits your budget um, and find out what company is going to best suit you. Now, a lot of people want a million dollars, but they only get maybe 50000 I wouldn't mind having a Ferrari, but I'm not driving one. So we're going to stay in your budget and find something that works. So whether, um, guys, if I'm sitting there with mortgage protection or just internet life lead or Facebook lead or final expense or whatever have you, I'd say, um, you know, you may want $100,000 of coverage, but you might only get $10,000. we are going to find out who's going to approve you today and get you coverage, okay? So I'm already assuming we're, that's what I'm there for, all right? So then I, I take the lead, I ask them some questions and do my financial inventory from there. Um, everything i said at the beginning, if you start analyzing it, is there's a reason. I humanize who I am, they know, who, they know about me, they know I'm a family man, they know money's not everything, but yet, you know, I want to make money, obviously, but um, hearing the story about my friend Nick, true story, they don't want that subconsciously to be the, the result for their family. So it's, it's kind of planting that seed. They need coverage. Um, I overcome the objection of shopping around because I tell them that's my job. At the same time, I don't think they want to let me down or their family down because I just told them a story that is true that they don't, you know, they want to go bad if they don't get coverage. Um, and then I just start talking about the why. Why did you fill this out? And it's final expense, Betty, you're 78 years old. What caused you to fill this out now? Um, and they'll tell me. Ah, my sister passed away or or whatever. And I get them to talk about that. What did that cost? What did that look like? Uh, if it's mortgage protection. Well, we just, you know, we just bought the house or we just refinanced the house and, um, you know, we need to we, we, you know, pay off the house if I die or something happens to me. And I start focusing on how we're going to you know, find if there's living benefits, if they qualify or what, you know, depending on their health, what product is going to suit them so it can pay out while they're alive if they're healthy enough. Um, but we want to make sure their family's not on the street if something is to happen to them for mortgage. We don't want them to lose the house or their family to become homeless. If it's final expense, we don't want the family to have to put that bill if something were to happen to them and they don't wake up. So saying things... Uh, like this helps for me to get to the why and then and then uh look at the coverage. Now to build more value I I just I talk about how we're gonna to look to cover the whole house. If that's the budget we're gonna cover that. If it doesn't, we'll drop it down. But I build value of why they need to cover as much as possible within their budget. If it's final expense and they just want, you know, ten, fifteen thousand burial, I show them more. I show them the top of what they can qualify for, and then I scale it down. And I say, look, you know, you may have other expenses to pay off besides the funeral car or credit cards or something else, or you want to leave a little bit for the grandkids. So $15,000 cover your funeral. Uh, why don't we look at another 5000 to 10000 to leave a little extra for your family? Does that make sense? And then we just kind of work the numbers that they feel comfortable with. you follow me on all that, Nicolette? Yes.
0: Yeah. Everything sounds amazing. Right. Um, it does seem like, so it seems like you do say a lot of, a lot of different things about yourself, but you're saying that those, all of those things that you say are for a specific reason, right? Right. So and let's break the yeah, go ahead.
1: go ahead,
0: Yeah, so we can break it down. Um so the reason you tell people about who you are, like where you're from and how you met your wife and everything, why, why is that so important?
1: Because you're going to, when someone's going to give you their financial information, their bank information, their routing number, their account number, their social security number, their beneficiaries who this would go to, um, and they're going to, you're going to ask them a lot of um, invasive questions about their health and their weight and other things that um, a lot of people are uncomfortable with. I, I don't know about you, but most women I know don't really like discussing their weight. Most uh, most people don't want to just give a stranger their bank information. Um, so for me to earn that trust, I have to tell them who I am so they, they feel good about me. Um, I'm no one special, but if they know a little bit, hey, the family man, this is the background, they, They know a couple of details. Everyone has a different story. Everyone's got their own life. But you tell them who you are so they know who you are. They're comfortable. Uh, They have some connection. And I think that building that rapport and they know who you are, that trustworthiness is going to help them to, uh, you know, unfold a little bit or or be less reserved because now they they know you. Now they're like, okay, you know, they don't have to just go, oh, what's your name again, Nicolette? they know about you. They know your mom. They know your daughter's name more, whatever. They, you build that rapport and and they're a little bit more uh, trusting because, I mean, that I mean, that's just how people work. When they know more of you, they're more obliged to tell you more of them.
0: Right. Situation. Because if you don't say, so. if you don't say anything about who you are as a person, that leaves it wide open for them to have a million different ideas in their head, right? And, Right.
1: Most of those aren't necessarily going like to be night favorable. Night. Yeah, they don't know if you're just there fly-by-night, if you're, you know, a creeper. Yeah, a lot of these people might have gotten taken advantage of in the past uh, by giving out their personal information, like hearing theft or their uh, bank information was compromised or something. And so I think about if I'm in their shoes, I try to reflect, if I'm them, how am I going to feel? I want to know who, you know, there's a saying, I want to know who I'm getting in bed with, you know. Um, I want to know who I'm doing business with. So um, to make a, a, a judgment if this is some, somebody I trust and somebody um, I feel good about going forward with. And there's plenty of times i want to go do things in, in my life, uh, whether it be selling a home and I'm dealing with a realtor or buying a car or some major decision in my life, like such as buying life insurance. I want to make sure the person I'm working with I trust. I'm not just going to work with anybody. I want to I deal with someone that I like and that I feel good about. And if they don't know you and they just you go straight for the business, you're going to run into objections, I promise you, of things that you're going to go into because they just don't trust you. They don't know you. Mm-hmm. They don't want to give you that. I'm not going to give out that information. People go, well, what do you do when, they run, when people ask you or tell you, I don't want to give out my personal information? I don't run into that. You know why? Because they trust me now. Because they know who I am. You know, they can look me up on Facebook now. They know my, my story. So I've given them a why of why I do this uh, by telling them a story that was personal to me. Um, they know my background, so I gave them some credibility that I'm an educated man, that I worked at a firm, uh, that, that, you know, that helps them to feel more trusting when it comes to their finances, even if it's not about an annuity or some retirement um, that I'm trying to help them with. It's about me making sense of, of them on their premiums. Because when I'm getting them to pay me a sum of money, I tell them, you know, guys, I, I understand it's all about budget. That's what I deal with. I, deal, I handle my own budget. Everyone in, on this call can say you're, you're, uh, you have a background in finance. You don't have to have a degree. You don't have to work at anywhere. You don't have to go to school for it. But you're handling your own bills. So, and you're, you're licensed to do this. So you have a background in finance because you're licensed to deal with their finances. So when you're talking to someone about their bills and or their uh, ability to pay, you know, you ask the right questions. What do you, I, I ask them things like, John, what do you do for a living? Okay, you're 52. Do you smoke? No. Nope. What do you do for a living? Oh, I'm an IT guy. Okay. Just on an average month, John, what do you bring in just on your income? What do you bring home for you? And then they trust me now because they're willing to tell me that. They, no one ever asked why. No, I've never had one client talk at that question because I've overcome it at the beginning because I've kind of planted the seed. So then he tells me what his income is. In. And then I say, just for you. And they go, my take home or gross? And I go, whatever, what do you take home a month? Oh, I bring home 5000 a month. Okay. John, do you have any major health issues, heart issues? And I go into the health. And they tell me no, no, whatever, and I make notes. And then I say, same thing to Susan, his wife. Ask her questions. Find out the same stuff on her. And then I go, John, if something happens to you, I don't say death. If something happens to you, you can't work. You lose your job. You get sick. God forbid you pass away even if that if were to happen. But if, let's say you didn't pass away but something happened to you to help health life and you can't work. Do y'all have anything to lean on? Do you have any assets, um, cars, land, property, Uh. Old vehicles, um, savings accounts, investments, IRAs, 401Ks. Do you have anything uh, that you would utilize to help float you guys on your bills until you get on your feet? And I say this in a broad way such as that because it's going to tell me what assets they feel the safety net for them on why they, they may not get the insurance. See, if I don't un- uncover their, in the back of their minds what they have, then I'm not able to maybe sit there and go, we don't need this. Why? Oh, well, I got, you know, i got two properties paid for, if something happens to me, Susan will just sell the rental house and uh, live off of that for a while. I want to know what they're dealing with so I can discredit that that before they use that as a reason to not get the insurance. I had one couple one time, they had 50 acres of land. They said, oh, well, I'll clear cut the lumber, that's worth about a hundred grand, and then we'll up the land, and that's part worth another hundred grand. So, you know, so they're thinking in their mind, of hey, I don't need to get this insurance because if, if I go down, Susan will just sell the property, sell that land, and, and, and the lumber to the to the log the uh, log mill, and we have money coming in. I don't care what that asset is, if it's cars, if it's 401k, but I can. I can kill it before they use that against me. So when I find out what that is, I can discredit it. I go, oh, well, that would take you some time to sell that. Or or you need to live off of that income if something happens. That's income that you want to, that's assets you want to protect. And, and and I just say it in a way like that, like, we don't want to touch that. You know? And they say, I got insurance to work. I go, yeah, but that's only good while you're working, right? And they say, I got a million dollars of life insurance I'll outside of work. Okay. Well, guess what, John? If, if something happens, you get sick and you can't work, now your disability comes in and it's only 40% of your income, you're not going to be able to pay your insurance premium on that, that hefty life insurance plan because your bills are cut short and your budget's tight. So we have living benefits that pay out to you if something like this happens. So I can flip it and show them how we're, I'm trying to get them insurance that's actually going not pay out while they're alive. I just sold one this week, before I, the guy had half a million dollars of insurance. It only paid out if he died. I showed him coverage that paid out while he's alive, and it was $402 a month. But I discredited the life insurance he had because that plan was only paying out if he died, and if, if he can't work or gets sick or has a heart attack or stroke or something like that, the and I knew I was selling living benefits uh, with, with America, the policy he had was going to be no good it was, and didn't do him any any, any favors. So um, So let me let me ask you a question.
0: Health.
1: Go ahead.
0: Yeah. Let me ask you a question about that particular situation. So um did you know that he was gonna be able to qualify for America when you started building that cash back yeah, or that um, living I, benefit I, value? I was right, yeah. So when I got to
1: that point, I'm asking the, I asked him the health questions up front. I know, um, I can't think of the guy's name off the top of head, but I, um, I ask them, um, you know, it's like, their age, their name, and I write it down, and then I ask them his health. I said, so, do you have any heart issues? Have you ever had any heart issues? No. Um, are you diabetic? No. Do you smoke? No. Um, you know, are you, uh, you ever had cancer? No. Are you, any, are you on any prescription pain, narcotics? No. Um. Have you had COVID or been around anyone with COVID in the last 90 days? No. Um, are you on blood pressure? Yes. What are you taking? Write it down. How's your blood pressure it's controlled? How long have you been on that? tells me. Um, do you have, have you taken You haven't had any pain narcotics or anything last year? Is that like nothing knockout for America? I ask them some things. Say, anything going on other than blood pressure and, like, cholesterol? He's like, No. I'm, I'm really good. I just had a physical earlier, you know, three months ago, and, and everything's good. Blood pressure's controlled. I'm on one medicine and uh, low dosage and um, cholesterol. So I'm assuming if I go through America and the underwriting is going to push them through. I don't know yet, but that's the description. So I be like, we're going to look at some living benefits for you and see if you qualify. But when I get – and I haven't quoted them yet. We didn't even talk about budget. But I, I – discredited what he felt, what he felt as a safety net for him, I have half a million dollars to cover, okay, that's great, how long, how long did you get that, oh, he got it a couple months ago, and I said, well, you know, that's only good if you die, though, right, yep, okay, so he was still working, I was like, you need something that pays out while you're alive, not just if you die, so I'm going to find something that works for you, and then we looked at, uh, covering the full mortgage on his house, uh 402 dollars a month wrapped up on approval we got approved right then and there in the house and um we're actually looking to replace his life insurance because it's a company that i can give them something better from america so we had and their rates are going to go up after like 10 years so i thought we can can give you those costs but um all that to say i ask questions that help me to find out what i'm going to run into they have assets you want to find out what those assets are. Whether or not they have any investments, any liquid assets uh, to liquidate for like a 401k or an IRA or a rollover for an annuity, and that's how you uncover annuity money, you want to find out what they have so they don't use them against you. Does that make sense? Nicolette, does that make sense? You there? Hello? Nicole, you there? Alright, I'm assuming you're there and you All Alright, well anyway, that's what I say Mm -hmm. to kinda kill the the objections. Can you hear me? All right. Well that's what I say to kill the objections, guys. Um and find out what assets they have, I just spread it down. I don't, they don't have to shop around because I told them that I do that for them. Um, They don't have to think about it because I told them up front, we're going to fix the budget. Um, They don't have to talk to their spouse because when I set the appointment, I make sure the spouse is there. If I get to the appointment and the spouse is not there, then i am reschedule. I don't care how good you are, nine out of ten times you will not close it because you can, you guys could sell me on the need of insurance. And my wife's not there, I'm going to say, hey, i got to talk to my wife, and I'm not going to explain it as well as you do. So then I'll, I'll butcher it. I'll tell her. She doesn't she'll, she'll know all the benefits of it, and she'll say it's too expensive or we don't need it right now and not get it. But if you sit with both decision makers, your, your probability goes through the roof. Your close is so, uh, decision makers there. I know they're not going to be able to afford this hefty premium, so that's why I say up front, I say people get anywhere from one year to the whole, if it's more years, I say people get anywhere from one year to the whole payoff. And it's final expense, I say people get anywhere from 2000 up to thirty or 40000 depending on your affordability. But I've it up front, so I can always go to the, the lower premium if they can't cover the whole mortgage or if they can't cover the top end on the final expense. I have some mobile room to, to drop it down to. Keith,
0: um, can, can you hear me now?
1: I can hear you now. Oh, that's no, all
0: Okay, sorry. sorry. Yeah, you were, um, my AirPods died so um, for some reason I wasn't able to get back on, but no worries. Um, I think this is a really great um, great amount of information, though, anyway. Uh, so I think we should keep going. Um, there's something that you said in your introduction. You said something about your own insurance policies that you had with State Farm. Why do you mention that particularly?
1: Because I want to relate to them. Um, my insurance policy was no good. I, I wish somebody would have looked at it. And I tell them that. You know, I say, if if they have an insurance policy that I uncovered, but they don't, they don't show it to me, if they guys, I wish someone would have looked at my policy because I, I would have paid $26,000 into my policy over 20 years. And I'm not 43 yet. But assuming I live past 43, I would have been out all the money had I kept that policy. So I tell them, like, I want to, you know, I wish someone would have told me there's better options out there. So I've I've sold some this week. I've sold one. Their husband and wife are paying $83 a month on a policy. He said he had the rest of his life. Um, Because I told them about the state farm policy I had, so guys, it's always good to look at. Um, uh, If you have it handy, we can look and see what you have. Make sure you have the right coverage. And I'm not going to tell you just something you don't need. I also don't want you to have something or think you have something that's not, in fact, what you thought. I thought that had happened only the rest of my life and only a 20-year term. Uh, you guys might have 100000 the rest of your life, but it's good to review if nothing else. So if they don't have the policy, if they need the a carrier, I'll call the carrier, I'll Google it on my phone, let's call, make sure you have what you have. And then, a lot of times, the carrier will tell us, I'll ask questions, does this policy ever go up? Does it ever expire? Uh, what are they currently paying? How long do they have it? And I'll ask some questions about the policy to confirm or uh, find out what, you know, if it's what they thought um, or if it's gonna, the rates are gonna change, whatnot. In this case, I was about to call the company but the wife found the policy in the back office. Brought it. We looked it over. Uh, the rate they're paying eighty-three dollars combined for a hundred thousand for him, fifty thousand on her. Uh, the rate was going to go up in, in six years from eighty-three dollars to $210,000, and then it goes up fifty dollars every year after that. He didn't know that. They didn't know. They thought they had it forever. And I said, "You do have it forever. It's just going to keep going up." So um, we were able to. Um, we were able to replace it. I got them for $156 a month, draft on approval, and his wife is paying $81 a month for hers draft upon approval. Both of them were approved. Um, so now they're paying a lot more, almost $156, 150 whatever, $52 more a month combined. I wasn't cheaper, but I sold them on value. The value was better because I was giving them something that never went up. The rate, the rate they had was going to to increase
0: in a few years, so I'll give them better
1: value in the long run. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Um, so I'm, there I'm were a couple, couple of things. Th-
0: yes, yeah, there were a couple other things that I, I thought were important to talk about as well. Um, you say that you specialize in mortgage protection and that you help allocate 401Ks, IRA, IRAs, etc. What What's the purpose of that? Do you say you specialize in mortgage protection at all your appointments, or do you tailor that? like if yeah, you say yeah. if you're going to a final yeah. expense, do you say it?: Yep, I say the same thing, every house.
1: Um, because when I first started what, I had a mailer for final expense. We didn't have Facebook final expense when I started. so things are a lot better now with legal, but we had mailers. I had a mailer final expense, and I sold them final expense, 10 grand or whatever it was they wanted. However, the gentleman filled out a form in the mail also for his mortgage, and an agent in the office wrote him up for 260 a month to protect his mortgage. Had I told him I did that, I would have gotten him the mortgage protection as well. But he thought I, I was just there for burial insurance. So I want to make sure they know everything I handle, especially if I come up with the annuities. If I find I that they have $200,000 in the bank, which just sent there, well, maybe they need to reallocate some of that into an investment and grow their money. Um, I can't tell you, Nicolette, how many times last year I had people for final expense or mortgage appointments, and they honestly didn't really need it. And I'm not going to quote someone or sell someone something they don't need because they had plenty of money in investments. And so I pivoted to sell and talk to them about the, you know, hey, I can help you with your retirement. But I established up front that I do that when I uncover that they have those assets and they tell me, I don't really need this because I got 800 grand in the bank. Then I'm like, well, I, don't, you know, I told you that I specialize in nothing with your retirement. Now I'm going to show you some options and see if it's something I maybe you can reallocate and diversify your your funds. And then I, I can still give them for something. I can sell them on some other uh, asset that I have. Okay. Awesome. What's
0: going on? Um. Gosh, there's just so many good tidbits for you. Um, why do you mention the? I never mind. I, do you think it's important to explain why you chose this particular career for yourself? Do you think that helps? It
1: is. For, it is for me um, of why I'm doing this um, and, and, and how I came into this industry. Um, because it, again, everything I'm saying is truthful, it's honest, and it, it, it builds credibility to who I am. And my why is my family, but my path to come here is because I'm a pastor or a friend of mine. Um, you know, I think if someone brings up a story or, or says, they're, like, I come into this because, you know, I need more freedom and flexibility for my family. Um, and I, I can schedule uh, times that are more convenient for me and my kids, or me and my family, or, or just me personally, or whatever, whatever the reason someone gets in this industry. I think it's important to say that to some degree, because it humanizes you, it builds trust, and people say, well, why did why did you do this? You can do anything, you know. Because in the back of their mind, it's like they're just here to sell me something. think you have more reasons than why you do it. I'm doing this for my family for my stability so I can be home with my kids, or I'm doing this, I fell into this because my mother didn't have insurance and and I want to make sure other families are protected so they don't have to have the burden that, that me and my family have when my mother passed or, or whatever. Because um, there are plenty of stories. You don't have to have one yet. You can use one else's story but say, hey, you know, there's a story such and such that happened and, you know, and it's a sad story. I don't want to see any family ever go through that again. That's why I'm here at your house. That's all you got to say. It doesn't even have to be one person, a person you knew, but you hear a story, you say, I heard, you know, of, of this father that passed away and left his family high and dry. And they were homeless. And they, they had trouble to make ends meet. it's true.
0: Uh-oh, it sounds like you're cutting out a bit. Um, um, can you hear me? am not sure if you can. Yeah, we, I can hear you now, but it was cutting in and out a little bit.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. I'm driving, guys. Yeah, it gives you a little more ump when you tell them why. You know, I'm uh, doing this so that you don't have to end up like this family that did have insurance. You know, give them some stories, something that you have relatable to or another story you've heard. Um, but they don't want to. you got to paint a picture of. If they were this family that didn't have coverage, what does that look like for them? And when you say things that get in their mind, they're thinking about it while you're talking of why they need this. They don't want him to kick the bucket or her to kick the bucket or, or whoever may die or, or something happens, he has a heart attack, can't work, and now his family's screwed. That's why you want to say things. I want to make sure you're protected. That's why I work with some the carriers so we can get you, get you protected for your family.
0: Awesome. Now, you also mentioned um, you may want a million dollars, but not everyone qualifies. Um, why do you mention such a high number, like a million dollars?
1: Because everyone wants a million dollars. Everyone wants as much coverage as they can get. And I sit there and I say something that high because they may want two hundred eighty thousand to pay off their house, or they want they want a hundred thousand for burial expenses. Or whatever in their mind it, They have some number Or some idea of what they would like to get And I say that to kill it To stop that To cut that objection before it comes up You may want this And my job is to get you as much as Humanly possible But I know most people it's going to be Budget or their health I don't know until I'm talking to them This 33 year old could could want 300000 But maybe he's had some health issues that kick him out Of getting that or maybe it's a budget thing for this family or whatever. So I don't know that until I go into it. So I say it up front, you may want X, but you can only get 50000 you know, because then when I show up and talk to them, they're like, yeah, I might need a 100000 whole life, and the lady's 78 years old, and it's way too expensive, and she's on limited income. I had to, had to kill that objection to get to it and say, I know you want this, but this is really what makes more sense. You know, something better than nothing. Same thing with mortgage protection. I say the big number because they may want to cover the whole mortgage, but either health or budget doesn't permit them to do so. So then I'm like, well, then maybe you only cover a year worth of payments. Or maybe you cover half the house or whatever. But I saying that's letting them know we're going to get you approved for something, but you may not get that what you you know the high end of what you want. And everybody would like to have a Lamborghini, a Ferrari, a, a mansion, or whatever it is. But budget, cars, all that causes people to get what they can get. I looked at it this way. They went, Everyone needs a car. Someone goes to the car a lot and says, I'd like that Lamborghini. That's what the client's thinking. I want the Ferrari. I want the Lamborghini. But they get the car a lot. They still need a car. So are they just going to walk away and not get anything? No, they're going to get a Honda Civic. They're going to get something that's in their budget. The client comes in and wants a million dollars when they meet with me. They may only get a hundred thousand. They get fifty thousand. Why? Because they still need insurance. You know, like they're no better off if I leave there and don't get them covered. So uh, let's get you covered for much more practical. You know, or 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 you you got nothing. So that's that's my thought. Is like if they went to a car lot, they need a car regardless. It's just they want the, the high end one but their budgets keeping at this, um, or their credit is here with insurance. They want the high end top.
0: Out, whatever it is, like, you know, they're bonkers or they're off the bone, so, yeah, it's awesome. Um I think that that is a lot of information that you just gave um, everybody, and um, I think, uh, we should definitely do another call here in just a little bit about something about some of the other bigger points that you brought up. But I think, you know, just introducing yourself, um, establishing that credibility in the beginning, uh, laying laying things out in a way that you already um, quash those objections before somebody even has them in their mind. Um, I think that's such an important part of your sales process and why you're so successful at this.
1: Well, thank you. When it it came with time, guys, I mean, but I can help you develop that for you. Like, everybody, what I want to do for any agent within our group, and I'd like to talk individually about who you are and then make a few points. You don't have to be long-winded, but have a few things that you say that you're comfortable with that are building points of you because you're building you up. They're buying from you. They don't know. Most of these people don't care about the insurance carrier or company. They don't even know. Most of my clients don't know who the company they have it with. They know they have it with Keith Christmas. And they're buying from you. They trust you. They want to make sure when something happens to their family that you are the person who's going to take care of it. So you have to establish that you're the man or you're the woman. And I don't mean that in the arrogance, in an arrogant way, but you have to be confident and bold and assertive and have them feel like you're the one that's going to get, it, get the job done. That's why they're buying the insurance from you they need it, they're going to buy it from somebody, hopefully. You're the one that has the best options for them because we have so many carriers. Now you just got to establish that's who you are so that they trust that, and then you figure out with them on what's going to work. So, um, but yeah, guys, it's it's not rocket science. I, I feel like if I can do it, anyone can, we just got to tailor it to what makes sense for you and how your approach is. And here's the thing. Some will, some won't. So what? If the numbers are on your side, you're not going to fail. And the more you do this, the better you're going to get. And and I confidently feel like if I sit with 10 people, I'm going to close eight or nine of them. And I don't, I don't, I don't close them all, but I feel confident that I'm going to close all of them. And I may not. Someone doesn't like me or, or I can't, you know, can't get them all. But most of them I sit with do business is not because I'm not good. It's just the products sell themselves and my approach really kind of narrowed it down to, you know, something. And, um, the track record has proven that for me. You know, the last 10 people watched that with, I didn't close all 10. I closed 9. You know, but, that's... But
0: that's 9 out of 10 cool. is amazing. And I think a lot, I think it's a goal for a lot of agents just to get to that point where they can close, you know, even 7 or 8 out of 10. Well, they,
1: they can. I think, these people are buyers. You just have to, the reason that we don't close people, the majority of, some people just don't like you or like me or, or trust me or whatever and that's on me or, or it is what it is. But most people, they want the insurance. That, they wouldn't have set the appointment if they weren't interested. I look at this one, my necklace and then we can wrap it up. I asked my wife on a date and she said yes. And she could have said no if she wasn't interested in me. She could have been like, I'm interested in this guy. Maybe she not find me attractive. Maybe she didn't like my personality, whatever it is. But she said yes. So I had that going for me. These clients said yes to the appointment. So that tells you that they want, they, they're, they're interested in getting some insurance. How much? They, they have an idea how much they want. They have an idea how much they want to spend. They don't know how much it's going to cost, but they know what they're looking for, and then you have to kind of make sense of it for them. I know you want X, we're going to cover that, but if you can't, we're going to at least get you this. But they send the appointment with you because they know they need it. Now you just have to bring it home. And 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 if you do it right and we develop it well enough, you'll pull at a high ratio. I don't care what your background is. Everybody in this company comes from different walks of life. But if you're a people person, you care about people, and you want to help them, it it's karma, you're what you sell, whatever, however you want to look at it. But if you do, if you present it the right way and develop your craft, I promise you finances will not be a problem, and you'll help a lot of families, and you'll build your confidence, and you'll really get good at what you're doing if you just trust the process. And I'll, I'll, I'll leave you with this, um, not to push faith on you guys, So Galatians 6 9, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, it says, do not grow weary in doing good, For in due time, you reap a harvest if you do not give up. Translation, keep grinding. The results will
0: come. Awesome. All right, Keith. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Everything you said was super valuable. I hope the agents get a lot out of this. And um, we'll do another one here soon.
1: Sounds good. All right.
0: Thanks, David. I appreciate you. All right. Bye-bye.